0: It's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your words are life to me and health to all of my flesh. I have what your word says I have. I am what your word says I am. I can do what your word says I can do. Holy Spirit, anoint my ears to hear, my heart to receive, and my mind to be open to the knowledge of the truth that makes me free. Quicken me according to the word. Change me from glory to glory. And I boldly say, I will never ever be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. We've been talking about our attitude. We're going to continue. This is number four on our attitude. And we've talked about how attitude determines the altitude that we're going to climb to in life. And the success that we're going to have is based on our attitude. And so we're going to continue along this line of teaching. In the book of of Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 23 from the Living Translation of the Bible. Now your thoughts, everybody say my thoughts. So you see yours, you're thinking he's talking about somebody else. But he's talking about my thoughts. My attitudes and my thoughts must all be constantly changing for the better. Well, are they constantly changing for the better? If they're not, they need to be and they should be. Amen. Having a bad attitude is like having a flat tire on your car. If you don't fix it you're not going to get very far. At least not without destroying your rim and you know the story from there. Right? We talked about how Jonah had a bad attitude. He didn't get very far. He tried to. Talk about him in just a moment. But he didn't get very far with that bad attitude. The Israelites of old, they had bad attitudes out there in the wilderness. They didn't get very far. It wasn't a long distance to get into the promised land, but they didn't get very far. As a matter of fact, for the rest of their lives they stayed in the wilderness and for forty years they suffered. Didn't have the plan of God fulfilled in their lives because of their bad attitude. Now these are examples, Old Testament examples but they've been written to instruct us and teach us. Some think you don't need the Old Testament. Well then look at what Paul said in in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 11 and this is from the English Standard Version of the Bible. Now these things happened to them as an example But they were written down for our instruction. So if we didn't have it, how would we know? On whom the end of the ages has come. Then Paul also to the church at Rome said in Romans 15 and verse 4. Again, the English Standard Version. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. So in other words we can learn some lessons. We can glean some light from these individuals and what they did and not make the same mistakes that they made. It's like a parent saying to a child I've been down that road before. I'm a little bit older than you are. I know what to expect and that's why I'm trying to give you this instruction trying to teach you certain things. I don't want you to make the same mistakes that I made. Isn't that the truth? Isn't that what we tell them? But there's a gap right? There's a gap and they can't see it the way we see it until they get older. Children will never know how much they owe their parents until they get married and have their own children. You realize that? Then they'll realize that money doesn't grow on trees. Right? Then they'll realize the sacrifices that were made. Right? Well the same thing is true spiritually, biblically. They've been down that road before. We need to learn from their mistakes and attitudes and see to it that we fix ours. Amen? So we're going to fix the flat tire of bad attitudes this morning. Is that okay? And so we're going to talk about how we can do that. Number one, we need to take ownership of our own attitude. See, attitude is a choice that we make. Remember that. It is our decision that we make To act a certain way. Based on circumstances. Based on situations. We can control our attitude. In the book of Numbers. Chapter 13. These two verses. Caleb stealed the people before Moses and said. Let us go up at once and possess it. For we are well able to overcome it. There is an overcoming attitude. Correct? But the men that went up with him said. We be not able to go up against the people. For they are stronger than we. That is a defeated attitude attitude. They saw the same situation there's 12 spies. 10 came back with a defeated attitude 2 came back with an overcoming attitude because their attitude was not based on circumstances, was not based on sight, wasn't based on what they saw but the others they based their attitude on what they saw strong walls, cities, impenetrable huge giants, men, etc, 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 all the ice that were there So as a result they had a defeated attitude. When we take ownership of our attitude that means we are responsible for our attitude and we don't allow circumstances, situations, or even people dictate to our attitude. I take responsibility for the way I conduct myself. And you know what? My perception of things if I need to get it sanctified then I need to get it sanctified. Isn't that true? How many of you know that men and women are different? Why am I going in that direction, Lord? Please. One world, two views. Right? She grew up in a pink world. He grew up in a blue world. And therefore we've got some issues. We don't see eye to eye. We don't see things correctly. When God took that rib out of Adam he took half his brain with it. Now we're men walking around with half a brain. (laughs) But you women, you got the other half. We've been trying to think like you, why why do you think the way you think? And you've been trying to think, why do we think the way we think? That's by design. And we got to have a right mental attitude toward our marriage and towards relationships. And put those things together. I better stop right there. (laughs) Number two. We need to consider the consequences of a bad attitude. This will help us do something with our attitude. Now Jonah, as we talked about, I talked about Jonah on Wednesday night. Jonah had a bad attitude. How can you possibly have a bad attitude when God Almighty either appears to you, or speak to you in an audible voice. I remember driving on a highway on Route 11 when God spoke to me in an audible voice and said, you will be the next pastor of that church. Now, on the trip down, I was saying, there's no way I would ever candidate to be the pastor of that church. Absolutely positive. I told the pastor before, I left Youngstown. I said, no, 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 no. I won't do it. I won't do it. I won't do it. I won't do it. I had my reasons for not doing it. I'm too young in the Lord. I don't know anything about Pentecostal church, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so halfway here, Maybe three quarters away here, I hear an audible voice that says, You will be the next pastor of that church. So when the chairman of the board came up to me and asked me after the service was over, will you consider candidating to be the pastor of the church? I didn't buy a ticket to Tarshish. <laughs> like Jonah did. I could have. But am I going to say no at that? But but look at the attitude of Jonah. Jonah says. Those people deserve to die. Jonah knew that God was gracious. He knew that God was merciful. Jonah knew that God was long-suffering and that he was kind. And he said to himself, I want them all to be judged. I want them all to die. And even though you want me to go there and tell them, because if I go, they'll repent. And I don't want that. So he bought himself a ticket. And he got on a boat. And he went the opposite direction of Nineveh. You can't get anywhere from God with a bad attitude. You can run all you want. So what did God do? He prepared a great fish. Some say it was a whale, some say it was a great white shark. We don't know what it was but it was great. I'm going to tell you why it was so great. This was a great fish. They threw him overboard. Now does he go all the way down? I don't know. Does it scoop him up when he's down there and all seaweeds all around his neck? I don't know. There are two views of Jonah in the belly of the whale. There are some that say That he was still alive for three days and three nights. And then the fish vomited him out on the seashore afterwards. After three days and three nights. So that's what some say. Now I think about that and you think, well now what did he eat? How did he sleep? What was going on there? I think there was, it was a great fish. provided by God. I think there was a food court. There might have been a McDonald's or a Wendy's somewhere in there. Well, you get the other view. The other view is, and I might lean more towards this view. Got my own reasons, but just real quickly. He cried out of the belly of the whale, but he also cried out of Sheol. Remember it says that? He cried out of Sheol and the belly of the whale. So is it possible that also he died and his body was still in there in the, in the belly of the whale? And then God gave him a little tour of Hell. To let him know what it's like when you walk away or run away from the will of Almighty God. And you do your own thing. And so there he is. For that moment of time. When he finally cried out of Sheol and cried out of the belly of the well. And then his spirit came back into his body and and then he was vomited out on the seashore. Regardless, we know the story's true because Jesus qualified it. When he said, as, the, as Jonah was in the belly of the well for three days and three nights, so will a son of man be in the heart of the earth. Right? So we know that it's so. But however God did it, he did it. But what does that teach us? We could run as we may from the will of God, but I'm you the Holy Ghost will be right on you, be all over you, send labors of love around you to try to get your attention. And you don't want to get so far like Jonah did that he's got to do something that drastic or dramatic to get you back. But what about this? Is there something wrong with this Jonah guy? This prophet with a bad attitude, I call him. Is there something wrong even after all that? He says, okay, I'll go to Nunavut and do what you want me to do. But I'm doing it with a bad attitude. He did. He was upset with God. As a matter of fact, he had more compassion for a gourd than 120,000 souls. That's a pretty bad attitude. And Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. Did he not? So you see, Jonah was in no way any kind of a missionary. At all. So, the consequences of a bad attitude, do you want anything to do with that? I don't. I don't like boats. I don't like going out there on the sea in a boat. Just don't like it. I don't know, you might like it. That's okay. I like ground under me. (laughs) Well, then what about Nebuchadnezzar? Good old King Nebi, right? Think about him. He had such a prideful attitude. So prideful. I've done all this. Look in the book of uh, Daniel, chapter 4, verse 30. He was so proud of all his achievements and his accomplishments. This is what I've done. The king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? And while the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O king Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken, the kingdom is departed from thee. And they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and seven times shall pass over thee, until thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. The same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar, and he was driven from men. He did eat grass as oxen. His body was wet with the dew. Of heaven till his hairs were grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. He lost his kingdom. He lost his possessions. He lost his power. He lost his sanity. And he was living in the woods like an animal. In a deranged state. For all that time. Why? Because of his bad attitude of pride. Pride goes before destruction and the Holy Spirit before Paul, fall, does it not? And so look what happened to him as a result of that. Well, what does that teach us? You know, apart from him, we, you hear me say this all the time, we are nothing. We have nothing. We know nothing. We can do nothing. If it were not for his grace, where would any of us be? If it wasn't for his mercy, his grace, is he long-suffering toward you? I know he is toward me. And his kindness... Absolutely. Now he could have done something about his attitude and he did it a little bit later but we'll see that in just a moment. You see look at um, Numbers 11. Our attitude if it's bad can hurt people, hurt the people that we love and also it can hurt ourselves. Very much so. But also it displeases God beyond words. When the people complained It displeased the Lord. Notice complaining displeases the Lord. We're talking about fixing our attitude. Are we a complainer? Are we murmuring? Is the glass always half empty? Is it always partly cloudy? If we complain and complain and complain it displeases God. And the Lord heard it and his anger was kindled And the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed them that were in the uttermost parts of the camp. Now put that in context. He brought them out of Egypt. He brought them out with a strong hand. They saw miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. They saw it with their own very eyes. Then they came out. He provided a fire by day and a cloud by night. Air conditioning and heating. And then he brought 4,500 tongues of manna from heaven every single day. He brought 11 million gallons of water out of rock every single day and 540 million quail. As far as the eye can see, three feet high, as far as the eye can see for miles. He said, until it comes out your nostrils is what he said. They saw all that. But what did they say? He brought us out here to die. Where's God at in this whole situation? Let's go back into Egypt. What an attitude they had. They would not have a go f- going forward attitude. They wanted to go backward attitude. What It doesn't really pay to serve God. That kind of an attitude is highly offensive toward God. Because you know why? He made the way for us to serve him by sending his son from heaven to a cross where he suffered and died. Who oh. bore everything we should have bore ourselves. Put it all on him to liberate us and set us free. And all he wants is a good attitude about it. Just a good attitude. It may not look good, but Father God, as far as I'm concerned, I'm going to call it good. It may not sound good, but Father, I'm going to call it good. Are you seeing this? Bad attitudes keep people out of the promised land. Bad attitudes put people in the belly of a whale. When we make a decision to take ownership of our attitude and be responsible for the way we are, and don't blame other people. I wouldn't have done it if she didn't say this. doesn't work that way. God holds us accountable. Three, number three, repent for having a bad attitude. Repent for having a bad attitude. God wants every single one of us to own up and recognize when we just have a bad attitude and do exactly what Nebuchadnezzar did. Going back to Daniel now, chapter 4. Look at verse 34. And at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven. And my understanding returned unto me. Remember, he lost his mind. He was insane. Something happened, though, on the inside. And notice, I bless the most high. And I praised and honored him that liveth forever and ever. Whose dominion is an everlasting dominion. And his kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven. And among the inhabitants of the earth and none can say his hand or say unto him what doest thou. At the same time my reason returned unto me. And for the glory of my kingdom, mine honor and brightness returned unto me. And my counselors and my Lord sought unto me. And I was established in my kingdom. And excellent majesty was added unto me. I like that. Now I Nebuchadnezzar praise and extol and honor the king of heaven. All whose works are truth and his ways judgment. And those that walk in pride, he's able to abase he's able to bring down so what we get from this his prideful attitude created his problems caused him to lose everything that he held dear but when he came to his senses and realized hey I'm nobody without Jesus who are we without Jesus what do we have without Jesus what do we know oh and I sometimes get around some people that think who needs Christ they tell me I don't need him I'm doing well enough on my own by myself I thought if he ever removed his hand of grace for a moment from you you'd be like Nebuchadnezzar out there in the woods living with the animals that's what you'd be like and then I think about some of all these famous people the movie stars the singers and all that and you can see such pride and arrogance but you know what God gifted them with talents and abilities that you and I will never possess. But who are they using them for? How many are really using them for the glory of God? And they will be accountable one day before the throne of God. I guarantee you before the judgment day. I gave you this gift. I gave you this talent. I gave you this ability and what did you use it for? Not for me. Not for my work. Not to advance my kingdom upon the earth. But for your own personal gain. God wants us To do something about our attitudes. Repent when we have bad attitudes. And just allow him to do what he did for Nebuchadnezzar. You know what? If God promotes you. That's a good promotion. If God raises you up. And God restores all things. You got it made. Number four. Associate with people. Possessing positive attitudes. Associate with other people. Look in the book of Proverbs. Chapter 13 in verse 20. From the New Living Translation. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. Show me who you hang with. I'll tell you what you're like. Evil communications corrupt good manners. So what's that telling us? I need to associate with people of like precious faith. I need to hear someone tell me on a daily basis Greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. And if they hear me saying something negative about my situation, I need to hear someone tell me. You can do all things through Christ who is the strength of your life. Don't you succumb to a bad attitude. Don't you let your circumstances dictate to to your attitude. You look to God Almighty. You let him be the glory and the lifter of your head. So if you hang with people that are a positive attitude, what are you going to get? It's going to just get all over you as well. Just like whether you're foolish or wise is based on who you associate with. But the same thing is true here. That's why I like you, people of like precious faith. That's why I like being around brothers and sisters that know the Word of God. They hear the joyful sound, they know the hand of God is greater than what I'm facing in this life. Yes, we all face challenges and difficulties and all that. But, Sister Vera, just like you, aren't you glad you had something on the inside? That no matter what your plot was right at that moment you had something on the inside that kept you that supported you, that lifted you up praise God. You know what that means? You're never alone when you're with Jesus. Never never, never, never alone. He said I will not, I will not, I will not by any degree leave you forsake you that you may boldly say and I can just hear you whisper the Lord is my helper. The Lord is my helper. No one else could hear but he heard the Lord is my helper and he brought her out. Can you say amen? Hallelujah, he brought her out. Number five, address the excuses for a bad attitude with the word of God. Have you heard this one? I'm just having a bad day. Just don't come, don't come near me. I'm having a bad day. Don't confess it. I mean, don't. I can see people looking at each other right now. I'm just having a bad day. So that excuses your bad attitude? Well let me throw something out at you. Look at Psalm 118 verse 24. And notice this verse in the English Standard Version. This is the day the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. So if you even hear yourself say I'm having a bad day. Well then do what? Attack it. Attack it. Be on the offense, not the defense. This is the day the Lord hath made. I will what? Re- I will not be sad. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Hallelujah. Hear yourselves say that. And what about Psalm 23 in verse 6? Oh, we can quote that. Surely sadness and incompassion will follow me all the days of my life. No. Goodness And mercy follow me how many days of my life? That eliminates the bad day you're having. Doesn't it? No, goodness and mercy are following me. Goodness, you say I'm having a bad day, turn around. There's goodness, there's mercy following you all the days of your life. So start saying something like, this is the day the Lord hath made, I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. Goodness and mercy, come on up here and just surround me, praise God. And all these other circumstances, all these other situations, all the negativity that I hear every single day. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to vomit up politics. Say amen if you agree. Shut it down. Let the people take over. Even so, come Jesus. Come on, Lord. Let the government be upon your shoulders. Amen. He could do a better job for us, wouldn't you say? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, number two: uh, I have a lot on my mind. Hmm, that an excuse for a bad day? Attack that with, t- saw, uh, with Isaiah 26:3. And this is from the King James. Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is full of worry, frustration, anxiety, whose mind is constantly thinking about all the negativity life brings our way. Whose mind is fixed, stayed, rooted and grounded where on thee. So if we're having a bad day, or if we're thinking we're having a bad day, what are we to do? Attack it with the word of God. And what about this verse in Hebrews chapter 12? This would make us all ashamed, I'll tell you what, right now. I've got a lot on my mind, really. Can you imagine how much Jesus had on his mind? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame is set down at the right hand of the throne of God for consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself lest you be wearied and faint in your what? your minds. nothing can come close to what Jesus went through for us. nothing at all right? so if we have a lot on our mind imagine how much he had on his mind so if we find ourselves that way, start talking to your mind. Do exactly what David did. Oh, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Start speaking to your soul. He also said this. Why art thou cast down, O oh my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in the Lord who made heaven and earth. Start talking to yourself. Talking to myself, they'll really think I'm crazy. No, but the Bible teaches us to mutter, to to meditate, to talk to ourselves, to speak the word over our thoughts and our lives. Cast down every thought, every imagination that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring the captivity, what? Every thought unto the obedience of Christ. Kick that thing out. Someone says, but it keeps coming and coming and coming. Well, you can't stop them from coming, but you can certainly remove them. You can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can stop them from building a nest in your hair. Right? Right? Don't let it linger. Don't let it stay there too long. Get it out. I'm not going to think that way. And what about this one? I have troubles everywhere I go. At work, at school, here, there. Everywhere ever I go, it seems like there's nothing but trouble. Really? Well, we've got some good news for you. Look at this first scripture. And Psalm 3. I love these verses. I pray that we all embrace them. Lord, how are they increased That what? We're not the only ones that have been troubled Here David is saying, they've increased that trouble me. Many are they that rise up against me. Anybody feel like you're in the same boat? Many there be would say of me, my soul, there is no help for him in God. Say, let's stop. Think about it. Meditate on it. But, oh, I love this but. But, that's what they say. See, that's what they say. And if you listen to it long enough, you'll start saying it too. Oh, I heard people say, what good does it do to serve God? Where's God at in my time of trouble? Well, and maybe if we stopped shutting him out and start saying something like this, like he said here, maybe he'd showed up on the scene. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. Matter of fact, if you, could, if you wouldn't mind, Paul, all the way through verse 6. Can we read this all the way through verse 6? But thou, O Lord, art a shield to me, for me, my glory and the lifter of mine head. My glory, the lifter of mine head. It'll come up here in a second. <laughs> Have you ever felt that way? Troubled? All this coming against you, surrounded by all this adversity? Here's what we say. I laid me down and I slept. I think we missed verse 4. Did we miss verse 4? Can we back that up to verse 4? If not, I have a Bible here. (laughs) It's okay to make changes once in a while. I cried unto the Lord with my voice. He was surrounded by trouble. Many there be that troubled him. Many that said, there's no help for you in God. Think about that. He said, but thou, O Lord, art a shield to me. For me, you're my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy heel. Selah, stop and think about that. Now verse 5, I laid me down and slept. I awake for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of 10,000s of people that have set themselves against me round about. Boy, that's a time to shout right there. Have you ever had 10,000 people around you? At one time that were against you, never, no. It may feel like that sometimes. You may think like that sometimes, but I guarantee you that it doesn't matter if there's ten thousand or ten million. If God is on your side, you are the majority. Praise God, He's the glory. He's the lifter of your head. I'm not going to have my head down down low. I'm going to rise up and say, "Thou, O oh Lord, you are my shield." You're my glory. You're the lifter of my head. That's pretty positive, wouldn't you say? I believe it is. And the next one. Uh, ver- Psalm 46 verse 1. One of my favorites again. God is my refuge and strength. A very present help. Where? When? When? So are you in trouble? Guess what? He's your refuge and strength. And he's very present. Am I in trouble? Guess what? He's very present. And he's my refuge and strength. What about that kind of an attitude? Think about it. Okay, next. No one knows the trouble I've seen. Okay, money foo-foo. Nobody knows but me. Really? Is that really true? Well, what about here in, in Isaiah 43? Look at this. This is from New Living Translation. When you go, no one knows what I'm going through. Have you ever said that? You just don't know what I'm going through. If you knew what I was going through. Okay, when you go through the deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I, goes on to say, am the Lord your God. Let's read that again. When you go through deep waters, have you ever felt like you were drowning? In all that's been around you? I will be with you, he says. When you go through the rivers of difficulty, and it seems like you're just, the current is flowing so strong against you, you just can't get away from it. But he says, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. And the flames will not consume you. Why? I am the Lord your God. So when we are attacked then attack those thoughts with what? Attack that attitude with the word of God and you'll shape up in a, in a heartbeat. I'll shape up in a heartbeat. Honestly, I've had people say to me, how do you just keep on going and doing and all this sort of thing? Don't you ever get down people criticizing you and all that sort of thing? I said, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> this is the day the Lord hath made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it no matter what's going on around me. That's a decision that we make. You realize that. Well, don't you get caught up in pride when people say this about you and that about you? And about that? I said, I can't get caught up in pride too late. I know where I came from. I know I worked in a mill. I know I wasn't at a seminary. I know I didn't. I'm not some kind of theologian. All I know is that God pulled me out of a mill crane, cleaned me up, got the graphite out of my ears and my eyes and all that, and said, now I want you to go down to this school over there for a little bit, for nine months, and then when you come back, I'm going to just use you. He knew I can't speak in front of people. He knew that. And I still won't unless I'm preaching the word. Period. So he just did something on his own because he's God. And then he says, now don't run from it. Just go ahead and do it. Because I'm going to tell you something right now. When I drove down to Midland from Youngstown, Ohio, the first time I ever drove down here, I thought this was nowhere. Nowhere. Where am I? Listen to me. When there's no McDonald's on the map, when there's no McDonald's in a five mile radius, the place doesn't even exist. And I started driving to that church and I said to myself, What are you getting yourself into? Why are you going there? If I had to depend on myself, I'd have run like Jonah, got on a fast boat to Tarshish. Someone says, someone says, don't you you get caught up in pride?" I can't. Because anything and everything that I do is because of his hand on me, period. And sometimes when I get get around people like outside, why are you so quiet? We see you up there and all. Uh, That's not me up there. This is me right here. I know where I came from. Here's another thought. When I sit down to discuss some things, especially with even other preachers and all that, How come you're so quiet just sitting there listening? Because I know what I know. I want to know what they know. I want to let them talk. I can glean some more light. See, when you're humble, God can lift you up. But when you're full of pride and arrogance, mm it doesn't work that way. Okay, and finally, develop an attitude of gratitude. Look at Psalm 89. This is from the New American Standard Bible. Are you a person that knows the joyful sound? Well, listen. How blessed are the people who know the joyful sound. Oh, Lord, they walk in the light of your countenance. In your name they rejoice. Oh, this this is so rich. Let's back that up. Do you know the joyful sound? Do you? Then say it, I'm blessed. That cannot produce a bad attitude. Are you walking in the light of his countenance? Hallelujah. In your name they rejoice all day. Do you know the power of the name of Jesus? And by your righteousness they are exalted. Have you been born again? Then you've got the righteousness of God on the inside of you. You've been exalted by the hand of God. For you are the glory of their strength. Hallelujah. And by your favor our horn is exalted. For our shield belongs to the Lord and our King, to the Holy One of Israel. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. And what about this one in Psalm 34? I will bless the Lord. I will bless the Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast of the Lord, and the humble shall hear. Thereof be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from half of my fears. Two thirds of my fears. Three quarters of my fears. All of my fears. I will I will do what? Bless the Lord, how often? At all times. There's no room for a bad attitude when you develop an attitude of gratitude. You realize that? None whatsoever. Paul and Silas in prison. Their backs are beaten open. They got all the their feet are fastened to stalks. Their legs are spread apart. They're clamped down. They're lying in who knows what they're lying in with backs bleeding and all that. And what do they do? They sing, they pray and sing praises to God. What would we men have done? Notice I didn't say you ladies, you give birth. I'm not going there. I'm not going there at all. But we men, you know mom took care of us while we were growing up. Whenever we got attacked with anything she was always there for us to make sure everything's okay. Then we expect our wives to be the same way, do the same thing to us because you know we can't take it. We can't take it, right? Most of us, probably all of us, if we were really honest, want somebody to cater to us. But women—they're tough. They give birth. They're tough, and they look at you like, "Wimp, get it together. Go to work. Just a little sniffle. Get out of here." <laughs> Paul and Silas ripped open their backs. Feet fast in the stalks so wide it's very painful. And some think that their hands were too, which means they would be like this on their behinds, just sitting there just like that. Can you imagine that? First of all, just the pain they're suffering, but then can you imagine this happening? What do they do? Hey Lord, you're a shield to me. The glory lifter of my head. I'm not gonna complain. I'm not a murmurer. Hallelujah. I'm going to sing praises unto you. Is that what we would have done? And what happened? When they sang the praise unto God, they had an attitude of gratitude. Do you know why it came out of their mouths? Because it was in their hearts. It was in their souls. They knew it on the inside. Who taught Paul the gospel? Jesus did. He probably said, when you get in trouble, just shout the praises of almighty God and we'll show up and we'll set you free. And that's exactly what they did. And the power fell, the glory fell, everyone's bands were loose and they all got delivered and set free. And they even started a church from all those those prisoners. Think about that. Talk about a captive audience. (laughs) It's been a long week. let's finish this off we have much to be thankful for as believers we know the joyful sound we know the name above every other name we know we've been lifted up because he is our righteousness and we know he's the glory he's the lifter of our head amen And so because we know all this, we have every reason to be thankful and grateful every single day of our lives. No matter what the circumstance is, no matter what the situation is, it may be adversity. But we're not going to let adversity do what? Infect our attitude in such a way that our heads are hung low. And we're we're just just walking in all this doom and this gloom and this negativity and defeated attitude like they had there when it came to spy out the promised land. No, we're going to say, oh, we're going to admit it. The giants are big, the walls are strong, but guess what? Our God is bigger, our God is greater, our God is stronger. He's the glory and the lifter of my head. My situation may be difficult, but praise God, he's more than enough for me. He's the Al Shaddai of my life. So, our conclusion is, and this means no matter what life brings our way, we can control only what we can control. We can't control how people treat us. We can control how we treat them. We can't control what people say about us. But we can control what we say about them. Right? And so when we take responsibility for our own attitude. And we surrender it to God. What happens? He begins to manifest himself in our lives. In such a powerful way. To to have us rise up. To a place of victory. And conquering faith. No matter what the situation might be. So praise God. If our. Attitude determines our altitude. Ask yourself the question, how high do I want to climb? How far do I want to go? How successful do I want to be? I'm going to start right here. I'm going to fix my flat tire. My bad attitude. I'm going to make it a faith attitude. A positive attitude based on the word of God. And I'm not going to be overrun by all that life throws my way. Let's all stand together before the Lord. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today.